his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the work of the one who sent me while it is day. For night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When Jesus had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back, able to see The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it is someone who is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how is it that your eyes were opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, And then he spread it on my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? And he said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he received his sight. He said to them, he put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. And then the Pharisees continued to question how it was that this man was able to receive his sight. And then they even go to his parents and ask them. And the parents said, well, he is of age, go and ask him. And so eventually the Pharisees go and seek out the man once again, and they try and figure out how it is that he who had been blind is now able to see. And so we pick back up in verse 27. The man answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but God does listen to everyone who worships God and obeys God's will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born entirely in sins, and are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking to you is he. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, 
I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see and that those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. This is the gospel of the Lord. A lot has changed about our daily life and routine this past week. As suddenly once what seemed so far away now quickly became our reality too. As school districts began closing all across the state, teachers and administrators, so many of you from this congregation, suddenly began trying to figure out how to have a virtual classroom to connect with students instead of in their physical ones. And as so many parents scrambled to try and figure out how to shape the days trying to make sure that their students were both cared for and homework was getting done while also being attentive to the work that they had to do. This past week, as I was trying to figure that out myself, trying to work from home, like so many of you have had to do this past week as well, trying to keep our two boys focused on the task of their daily homework assignments, trying to keep our three-year-old busy instead of finding the scissors to cut her hair, and all the while trying to make sure that Peter was fed and changed and happy. And I got to a point where I wasn't sure what had happened. I wasn't sure how I could restore some calm into the midst of the sanity that now was. And I was trying to be able to figure out a way that I could use this time to be able to connect with my kiddos a little bit more, still connect with everyone through church. And I wasn't thinking that I was doing any of it very well. And so there I was, sitting upstairs in our family office TV room, because of course no one wanted to find a space of quiet in many, uh, one of our many rooms in our house. Everyone wanted to be in the same room at the very same time, spread out through various workspaces. And so while all of that was happening, there was the sound of voices reading books out loud. There was the sound of uh, someone making multiple requests of this person named, Mommy, 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 Mommy. And on top of it all, our oldest son thought that it would be great to have background music on while he was doing his math homework. So in the background, we had old country music classics. And there I was, feeling a little overwhelmed by it all, by all of the noise, by all of the things that I had to do, not knowing what was going to happen next, not knowing when all of this might change once again, trying to figure out how to be calm, how to take care of everything that needed to be taken care of. And I was feeling as if I wasn't going to be able to do it. And lo and behold, there in the background comes George Strait with a song that he sang entitled, a love without end, amen. 
And while everyone was working on their homework and I was sitting holding the baby, I'm listening to the words of this song about a father's love that doesn't just come and go, but it is a love without end. And as the man grows up and has a child of his own and then eventually comes to see himself at heaven's gate, thinking that he should surely not be allowed to go inside, he hears the familiar refrain that his father once shared with him about a father's love that doesn't just come and go, but it is a love without end. So there I was on the couch with tears in my eyes, being reminded of these words that I think God speaks to us right now. In the midst of everything that we're facing, in the midst of whatever new reality we're dealing with, of a love that is for us and without end. We have to talk about our gospel for a little bit right now because I think that that comes through loud and clear through all 41 verses of John chapter 9. It is a story in John's gospel that has so long been misunderstood. So first, three things that you absolutely have to know about John's gospel. The first is that all throughout John's gospel, we see the result of this deep, deep family feud taking place. This disagreement about who Jesus is. It's happening among parents and children, brothers and sisters, neighbors and friends. Those who believe Jesus has come from God and those who do not believe that Jesus is the one that God has promised. And it becomes bitter and it divides God's people and it cuts them off from one another. The second thing that you need to know about this passage is that it was written at a time when people didn't understand uh, as much as what we know today about medicine, about the body, about disease and how things happen, genetics. And even with what we know, there is still so much that we don't know. But this was at a time in which it was believed that if there was anything wrong, it must be because either that person or their parents had sinned, as if it was a punishment coming to them directly from God. I don't believe this for one second. I don't believe that any of the things that we face in life is somehow a result of what we have done or haven't done. It's not God doling out punishment. Sometimes things in life just happen, even if we don't always understand them. Instead, we have a God whose love for us is without end. And yet, it was a commonly held belief in Jesus' time, and sadly even is still around today among some people. We hear the disciples' question to Jesus early in our passage, beginning, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And listen to Jesus' response to them. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, period. That's how we should read that passage. But instead, English translators went a little bit further with the words that we have printed in our Bibles today that says, he was born blind so that. 
Those words never appear in the original Greek. And because of this, we have continued to misinterpret Jesus' words to us, looking for who and where we can cast blame for the circumstances and the situations that we find ourselves in. Instead, think about what Jesus might have been saying if you listen to this. Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned in order that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is still day. For night is coming when no one can work. For as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Do you hear what a difference that makes? Instead of being focused on assigning blame or being led to believe that God's doing was what caused the man to be born blind, the Greek wording there reminds us that whatever reality, whatever situation we find ourselves in, we have to be focused on what it is that we can do in order to point the way for others to see how God comes to us to see how God comes to us in the surprising and unexpected ways that God does, to see how God comes to us when we least expect it and always when we most need it, to see how God comes to us even through the words of George Strait. Last thing you have to know about today's gospel. It's the definition of a key word. So our oldest son was also having to do this as a part of his homework, come up with a list of words in the book that he was reading and the meanings of those words. So I thought all of you should surely do the same. Are you ready for it? What does sin mean in John's Gospel? You might think that sin is what someone has done, but in John. The definition of sin is not being in relationship with God. That's what matters so much to God, is that we come to God, is that we begin to see and know and believe that Jesus has come from God, that we begin to trust this love that God showers upon us. In the midst of whatever your situation is right now, I pray that you would turn again to God this Lenten season as we do every year, but especially now, that you would turn again to God who from our very beginning, and especially in the midst of every darkness that we face, comes to us to remind us that we are never alone and that the love that God has for us is always without end. I pray that whatever your week looks like, that you would hear God speaking to you and reaching out to you to give you hope, to give you strength, and to remind you of this love that is without end. Amen.